What's up? This is Ralph Trezvan. You're listening to Reviews and Done with my dude, Derek Dunn. Keep it locked, fam. What's going on, world? Welcome to another edition of Flashback, a.k.a. Throwback Album Reviews. Now, I'm very excited to talk to my co-host, collaborator tonight. This is a man I've had the pleasure of knowing for the last 16 years of my life. Um, I don't think this guy knows, but when I was at a um, down point mentally in my life, we hung out one weekend when I was in the Air Force um, overseas, and we went out to a club. Now, granted, you know, I was kind of down in the dumps. Didn't go out that night. We were, you know, in the club, but just this gentleman driving and keeping Kanye West's second album on repeat. He actually had one of the bonus tracks that wasn't on the album that he played, and just his energy and how he was talking, you know, got me out of my funk, so I don't know if you knew that. I mean, this guy's... uh, a hell of a DJ. He can make some of the meanest mac and cheese on the face of the earth for a uh, for a brother. He can give you a serious debate, respectful debate, with nothing but those facts over T.I. and Jeezy. This guy's found inspiration in menace society. He's also a hell of a DJ. That's right, folks. I'm talking about my guy, my man, you know, one of my inspirations, Mr. DJ Walk. Welcome to the line, what? sir. How you doing? What up? What up? What up? What up, man? What's good? What's good? Uh, bless, brother. Just, you know, looking forward to uh, chopping it up with uh, my go-to source for all things Atlanta. You know, like I had to ask you about um, the Golden Glide. You know, that came from, I was watching Omari Hardwick um, Uncensored on TV One, and, uh, you know, he talked about Atlantix, you know, and then he brought up the Golden Glide. I'm like, yeah, let me ask Walk about um, the Golden Glide, because I had never heard of it. You know, I just knew about Cascades from you know, the movie ATL. So thank you for always, you know, taking time out of your schedule to reply to a text and just, you know, if I have an Atlanta question, you're quick to, you know, hit me back with a response. So thank you for that. Yeah, no doubt, my man. No doubt, no doubt. Um, yeah, appreciate the introduction. Uh, mad love, mad respect, you know what I'm saying? I, uh, I see your movement and everything. It just keeps going up and up. So uh, I always told you before, my man, you know, consistency pays off. You know, consistency is a byproduct of discipline. You know, you can't be disciplined unless you're consistent with everything that you're doing. So with that, my hat goes off to you. Um, Golden Glide, man, like big things, man. You know what I'm saying? That's where everybody went to go skate and stuff. There's another spot out there. They probably haven't talked about it, but it's called Sparkles. Sparkles was over there what you would call Riverdale, as everybody, you know, uh, Waka Flocka always hollers out, you know what I mean? But that's where it was at. And uh, that was another big establishment where a lot of people would go on the weekends for skating and partying and all that. As you've as you seen in the movie ATL, um, shot by Chris Robinson, saying it's a very great depiction of how life really is in Atlanta at that time frame, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, so shout out to my man for putting that on, on a on display there because, uh, yeah, that's a very big monument for Atlanta. Yeah, bro, you know, and I've only been to Atlanta twice in my life where I was actually, like, there for a minute. Once in 93, when I was 12, the underground was a big thing. I was uh, driving cross-country back to Huntsville, Alabama, to go back home for some vacation with my stepdad to my grandparents. We stopped in Atlanta to some of his kinfolk. And then back in 2001, after I finished up my uh, first year at Troy State, I was flying back to the DMV and I, you know, I stayed with one of my homies from school in Atlanta. So that was cool. But it's like, you know, I never got a chance to really experience Atlanta full on the way that I should experience. And you, you know, you hailing from the A being a vet, man, 
you know, you got to tell me, man, you know, your unbiased opinion real quick between this upcoming battle that, you know, it's going to do a big for the South that T.I. and Jeezy versus, you know. So I got to ask, man, who you uh, got your early money on? I mean, it's a tough competition, you know what I'm saying? Um, T.I. got started earlier. If I can go, you know how I do, man, when I talk about me. You know, T.I. used to have, you know, uh, PSC, you know what I'm saying? Pimp Squad Click. And that's how they started out the trunk, like, hands down, you know what I mean? So if you can find those mixtapes, I mean, I got them. You know, it's very hard to find them. But that's how everybody was introduced to T.I. back in, you feel me? With uh, Jeezy, though, his movement was so much different. I mean, he was a very, you know, we got the whole BMF movement going on at the same time. You know, he's right there with uh, Big Meats and all the Blue Da Vinci and all them other cats, right? And that whole movement there, you know, it was it was already structured. And Jeezy's done plenty of interviews where he was like, yo, I wasn't serious about rapping. I was just rapping about my life. And when you put two of those guys inside the same ring, I mean, there's no telling how it can really turn out because just their impact. I mean, T.I. made trap music what it was slash Gucci. We can go to that whole nother spiel, but that'd be a long time conversation. But the point I'm trying to make is that if you're talking about Jeezy and T.I., it's all going to be about who got the street's attention. Um, I honestly feel in my heart and heart, you know, I always do my mixes prior to all the, the versus mixes, you know, and I honestly think, in my opinion, that Jeezy's really going to take it to T.I. And the reason why I say that is because he has a lot of influence in, in the streets, in the game. T.I. had a bigger, he started out in the streets and then he went commercial, then he tried to go back and, you know, we saw how that happened. So I'm more, if anything, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a real big spectator on this because I, I, I really think that Jeezy's going to bring it out. But again, I think it's going to be good for the whole city of ATL, man. Like this is, this is going to be one for the books, definitely. Nice, nice. You know, that Atlanta music scene, man, it's uh, just the way it's taken over. And I say in the last 20 plus years, it's crazy. I can remember, um, you know, I'm a big New Edition fan. So I can remember um, Bobby, you know, talking about Atlanta's where it's going to be at, like back in the late 80s, early 90s. So, you know, when he opened Boss Town Studios in Atlanta, you just saw the way the stuff's coming in. Now, you know, I'm a young buck, so I didn't fully get to experience. I just, you know, do my research when I was older. So, you know, just talk a little bit about how it was for you growing up as a kid, you know, into a young man and a teen with that whole LaFace movement, especially when Outkast took off with that first album. Well, you know what I mean? My um, my, my cousin Tisha, she went to school with Outkast, you know what I'm saying? So uh, when that first song that came out was uh, uh, with the Players, Players Anthem, no, sorry, the Players Ball Anthem, you know, that joint right there, she was like, yo, I was in, she was like, I was in class with that cat. She went to Tri-Cities High School. And that's another thing, I, a little quick little segue, my man. Like, Tri-Cities High School is a monument for celebrities. Like, so many different artists have come out of there. You know what I mean? Uh, like, for example, I know it's going to say, but like uh, Ms. Lawrence. Ms. Lawrence came, you know, the, 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 the female that's on uh, Real Housewives of Atlanta and all that. Yeah. That was came from Tri Cities High School. Um, at, at one point in the school, you had uh, what was who else was school? I think you had like uh, Escape went to school with my with my cousin as well. So back to the Outcast thing, you know, the school was was it's it's a magnet school, right? So you're breeding talent, and they're 
all the time, man. So when they got scooped up to her, she said when she was in school with them, she was like, you know, they was very quiet. They didn't really talk so much, you know. And then she saw them on TV or BET was like, oh, my God, that was my classmate. But that just goes to show you how beneficial, you know, our school systems were back there. I'm not saying it was the best neighborhood or nothing like that, but that's where a lot of this talent comes from is raw talent, you know. And we were just blessed that we had LaFace, you know. We had, you know, Babyface. You had uh, his brother, uh, Antonio Reed, you know what I'm saying, L.A. Reed down and up, up, up in there, you know what I mean? So, like, it was just, it's a blessing. You know, our city is like a mecca, you know. Look at Future. Look at, look at Usher. Look at all these other cats, you know what I'm saying? It's all Atlanta. All Atlanta, you know, you can, you know, you can bounce it back to so so deaf, you know what I mean? Like Jermaine Dupree, you know, he brought he brought in a lot of money to Atlanta, Georgia. You know, unfortunately, he's not as big as as one would hope that he is, but he gets a lot of respect because he is a pioneer for the sounds that we do have in Atlanta. You know, think about it. You know, Welcome to Atlanta was a blockbuster hit. You know what I mean? Yes, sir. it was so big that he had to do a West Coast version of it. You know, I mean, we can we can we can expound on that all day. You know, you had the Dungeon Family, you had the Attic Crew. You know, all these different kind of uh, uh, entities in Atlanta, one city. That's not you know, the, the funny thing about Atlanta. A lot of people confuse Atlanta with Georgia. Like they honestly think that Atlanta, that's it. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But Atlanta isn't is it, it isn't like super super big. You know what I'm saying? But it has so much raw talent, and it's constantly coming out. Little baby, uh, young thug, future. You know what I mean? Like all of that in one city. So so yeah, man. You know, you know what what Outkast did, what Goody Mob did, what Young Bloods did, what Ying Yang Twins did. I mean. It just created a foundation and, you know, like, like they said before, you know, at the Source Awards, you know, the South got something to say and we ain't shut up yet. You know what I mean? No doubt. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy that you, uh, well, first of all, thank you for being so passionate about the city. And that's, that's one of the great things for me, you know, as a podcast. So even though, you know, I'm hosting, just letting my guests um, talk and hear the passion in their voice, whether it's about the city of Atlanta or something as simple as, um, you know, how they cook their cupcakes, you know, it's all love and like, you know, hearing the um, positivity and the passion in your voice, especially during the times of COVID, you know, where we don't know what's going to happen day to day. It's a blessing just to hear someone get excited. So, you know, once again, thank you for that. And thank you for being a guest. And I'm happy you brought up So So Deaf, you know, Mr. Jermaine Dupree's label that he started back when I was a youngster, because, you know, our album today, folks, is going to be Jagged Edges, 1998 debut a jagged era now jagged era dropped when i was in sophomore year of high school way back in 1998 20 plus years ago and it just seems like yesterday you know we were out there trying to sing to i gotta be off key of course so uh dj walk how old were you when a jagged era hit yo man first of all when this came out you know Tape cassettes was still hot. You feel me? So uh, yes, sir. Six ninety nine at Best Buy. Yeah, you, you you know you know what I'm saying. I mean, this is this is probably this is uh, this is blockbuster video. No, what's a blockbuster music straight off of Peachtree? If anybody from Atlanta listening to this, they know what's up. Uh, this is Tower Records. This is Turtle Music. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I was like, I was in middle school. You know what I'm saying? 
so so you talking about like 90 man bro 97 man that was that was crazy man i did i just started high school to 99 man and um yeah it was it was it was amazing body of work amazing writers amazing producers um the videos was banging as well you know and the thing was again like i said earlier this was raw talent and and jd you know got a hold of these guys and he pretty much you know made them who they are now you know what I'm saying? So shout out to Jermaine Dupree, shout out to Jagged Edge, shout out to old So So Death. You know what I mean? Like those dudes right there, that was like our, that was our No Limit Records before we knew what No Limit Records in Atlanta. Yeah, no doubt. And I don't, um, you know, you can often find debates between people between 112 and um Jagged Edge. And, you know, me, I'm, I'm more partial to 112 only because they just have, I think they have a stronger body of work. But the one thing I will give Jagged Edge is Jagged Edge stay consistent releasing music since their debut. I mean, I think these cats have 10 or 11 albums since they came out and all four members stayed together. So, I mean, that in itself deserves praise. Now, you know, I might get some flack for this, but I always saw Jagged Edge as kind of a um, modern day whispers, if you will. You know, primarily mm. two sets of twins and then the other three guys are kind of just there, you know, whispers have Walter and Scott doing all the singing. Jagged Edge, primarily Brandon and Brian sang with Kyle and Wingo um, coming in as need be. And, you know, Jagged Edge's first, I'm going to say their first four are just, like, you know, very strong bodies of work, consistent albums. I mean, they just excelled with their ballads. And the first album, you know, they were writing, they were producing, but the second album is where they really just, like, you know, took the, took the uh, music industry by storm and really started delivering. Because the second album at that time, I was in El Paso and my senior year of high school and I mean, everybody was trying to get that J.E. heartbreak. But, you know, I go back to the first one and just, you know, how dope the first one is. So myself and my man, DJ Walk, you know how we do. We're going to listen to a jagged era with grown ass man ears and then, you know, give you guys a little bit of our feedback. So let's get right into it. Up first is Slow Motion, written and produced by Jermaine Dupree and one of the artists who really doesn't get enough credit. Mr. Manuel Seal. <laughs> I had this girl in my room, right? She was trying to do, do it too fast. <laughs> I said, slow down. You know what she said? She said, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so bad. Just my speed, lay back for me. Anything you feel, baby, I got right here. And you ain't gotta look no more. I'ma take my time, blow your mind as I do it to you slow. Baby, come on. If you want it, I got it. Hey, believe that I'm never leaving home without it. Say what you say. If you want it, I got it. Hey. Believe that I'm never leaving home without it. I'm taking slow, slow, slow motion. 
Single days. All right, that was uh, slow motion. First track on Jagged Edge's debut album, A Jagged Era. Um, that's one of them tracks. Like my man DJ Walk mentioned, I actually had audio cassette first, and you know, I put the audio cassette in. This was back when I had my Nissan Maxima, and as soon as the intro just started with Jermaine Dupri doing his ad lib, I mean, he did it so smooth where it didn't come off his corner like you know he was trying to just be all up in the videos and be somebody he uh, wasn't and then the twins come in and start singing and just that beat is so smooth like something to where you know you just throw it on you're grilling you got a drink in your hand perfect intro perfect start start to the album over to you walk what you think um i mean it just goes and show again you know we spoke earlier about jermaine dupree i mean this guy's a writer uh i saw him the other day he was on live and he was talking about you know him and puffy doing verses and one thing he did made uh, a good uh uh point that i really it really really stuck with me he said that i wrote these songs you know what i'm saying like i wrote and i put you see what i mean like there's a big difference puffy doesn't write JD is a producer and a writer. And he said, if I said doing verses, he's like, he's like, there's so many people's songs that I've written that you wouldn't even know about. You know, like Mariah Carey, The Emancipation of Mimi, like he wrote that. You know what I mean? Usher's Confessions, he wrote that. You know what I mean? So yeah. So when you say, when you say, you know, it didn't come across as corny, of course not. Like my man is a writer and a producer. What can you do with a writer and a producer? You you have, there's nothing you can do with that. You just got to accept it. And, you know, slow motion just goes to show, you know, at, at a young age, Jermaine Dupree, you know, he already had the vision and he was already, you know, operating off of that vision at that time. You know, he didn't know this album was going to be like it was, but as you see, as again, I told you earlier at the beginning of this conversation, it's consistency, you know what I'm saying? They didn't know who So So Deaf was, but he made sure, like, yo, this is So So Deaf, you know what I mean? Like, I own this, and this group that I'm bringing to you is courtesy of me, you know what I mean? And and you can just see it right there from open, like you said, you know, what he did, it was so smooth, and it's like, man, you know, take it back to 97, you don't know who So So Deaf is, minus Chris Cross, it's a whole nother conversation. You know, you're getting the idea like, oh, man, he's not just doing hip hop. My man is also doing R&B. You know what I mean? So, so shout out to JD. You know what I'm saying? Excellent track. Good good intro. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's all I really got for that. All right, we're going to keep it moving. Up next is Addicted to Your Love. Baby, I need it. Yeah. 
That was track two, Addicted to Your Love, the first up-tempo track. And, you know, I, I don't know if uh, DJ Walsh can agree with me or not, but, you know, R&B back in the 90s, really, hell, R&B in the 80s as well, a little bit in the 70s, um, it was sometimes hard to find a balance of good up-tempo songs in contrast to your slow songs. And, you know, same, same thing with the other way around. You know, a lot of artists would have A1 slow songs, and they have kind of mediocre or just filler up-tempo tracks. But, um Jagged, you know, came correct with the first up-tempo song on the album. I mean, I think Addict to Your Love, it has a nice southern, like, sag um, vibe to it. Uh, no complaints. Definitely not a filler track, but a quality album track. Over to you, Walk. Oh, yeah, man. Most definitely, you know what I'm saying? You keep the vibe going. You know, one thing I always tell people, I, I got shot in the foot for this because I told them, like, uh, you know, Jay-Z and Kanye, they put out Watch the Throne, and I thought it was a great album. However... The playlist sucked. And when, when I tell people about playlists, playlist to me is everything for the album. You know what I mean? If 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 you got all these songs on there and they're not they're not placed in the right positions, it throws the whole album off. And the one thing that I liked about this album is that with the Jagged Era, they kept they they had a nice playlist for it, you know. I wish to me, Watch the Throne was still a good album. But I just I just yeah. I hate the way the songs were set up. And this right here, you're going from slow motion to addicted to your love. You know what I mean? It's, it still had that 90s vibe. That's the groove, but it's still R&B. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can't say the same thing for the music that we hear today. But to me, this is this is what R&B is about. You know, making making those cuts, making them fit. You know, to me, music is like a puzzle, right? You got to get the pieces right. If you don't, you know, if you try to do a puzzle and you try to jam in a piece that doesn't belong there, what happens? puzzle's jacked up it's lift up it's elevated it doesn't look right and that's a lot of times when people do albums these days they don't know how to make the puzzle pieces fit and therefore the album stands out and it's not always in the good thing it's an eyesore you know and once again shout out to Dupree and shout out to Sill. you know they did the right thing making the call making this track number two yeah and I um I totally agree with your um thing with sequencing and the playlist as you said um of an album because an album can still be good but you have to have the sequencing be right it's an art to it because you can have like you know four or five just bangers and then one song can find throw off your sequencing i did an album you last week with uh i forget what album it was it it was the dj jazzy jeff and fresh prince co-read and the gentleman i um reviewed it with my guy uh kevin stringer jr you know he felt the same way because like you're starting off strong and just going and going. And then it's like, you kind of get to three mediocre tracks. It affects your final listening grade or, you know, your overview of the album, but you know, yeah, I said, we, we, we can, you know, talk about this all night, but we're going to keep it moving. Up next is the big one. The one you all know, I gotta be.
signature songs still hits 22 years later um hell the song is better than a lot of people's catalogs that came out after je i mean it's just it's a lovely ghetto love ballad i mean you got um brandon and brian on lead then you have kyle and wingo doing the bridge and showcasing all four vocals i mean the video with destiny's child was dope i mean it's just ain't nothing else to say about, ain't nothing else to say about i gotta be it's just it's a classic song over to you, Walk. You know, I, over to you. I mean, so this this right here, right? This is this was uh, let's get married uh, before let's get married. You know what I'm saying? Yes, so, sir. Uh, no, this song right here was, you know, arguably the the biggest hit on the whole album. But you got to also understand if people really do do the math in the '90s, a lot of a lot of albums that came out in the '90s, and I won't name too many because there'll be a long conversation, but. A lot of albums in the 90s, you know, I'm going to do it anyway. You know what? The Looney's had a song got, uh, called I Got Five, right? Yeah. That was the only hot song on that whole album. That This is 90s material. You know what I'm saying? This is the 90s, right? So for them to, for them to able, you know, be able, sorry, to be able to have an album with such a big hit and still have follow-up songs behind it, you know, this was a major standout for them. This really seems cemented them for the 90s. And, you know, that, that's, that speaks highly of the writer, speaks highly of the production, because, like I said, if you go look up the Loonies, the only song people know is I Got Five on it. But this album right here had multiple songs that people can still re- uh, relate back to. When you play this song in a club, especially for me, if I, like you said, you know, 22, song, 22 years later, like, I could play this in a club to get the same response that you probably would have got back in 90s. You know, it goes back to what we said earlier. It's the playlist and it's timeless. This right here is a timeless track. It never gets old. And again, it goes back to uh, phenomenal writers, phenomenal producers, you know what I mean? And creating that moment. And this music right here, times times a million, this song right here, it created that moment that we needed. Yeah, and let um let J.E. do, do a concert, you know, uh, pre-COVID, and not do I gotta be? They ain't, they ain't leaving that uh, venue alive, you know. Knock on wood, but that's like the Temptations not doing my girl. You will straight get booed if you don't do I gotta be at a show. Matter of fact, right now, Jagged Edge could probably just go on Instagram Live, do a four way little um, you know, chat with everybody in different parts of the Georgia, and people will watch them just doing I gotta be. That's how iconic and classic that song is. All right, up next is Wednesday Lover, a cover by. The Glass Gap Band, excuse me. Mm-hmm. 
Sorry, Jagged Edge's take on a Gap Band song. One of my favorite songs from the album. Probably one of my favorite covers of the late 90s. What I liked about it was Jagged put their own little spin on it. They didn't try to outdo Charlie. And they even stripped down the arrangements a little bit more. And dare I say, I think it's one of the cover songs. No, you don't realize another one. It's one of the few Charlie Wilson songs that the person that covered it sang it better than Charlie. In my opinion, you know, don't come for me but yeah over to you walk um yeah once again man you know i, I caught myself getting ready to sing uh wednesday lover you know the chorus a little bit i was i was i was in the groove with it too you know what i mean this song does bring back memories uh shout out to jd once again i mean you know for what he did with that you're, you're taking back you're bringing old school to the new school right it's kind of that's why kanye west is so uh he was he's so influential in the game because he brought back old sounds and made them new, right? And a lot of people can say what they want to say, but J.E. versus Puffy, both of them were doing the same thing. Puffy did the same thing with uh, with Hypnotize, right? He took he took uh, Herb Alpert Rise, and no one, it's funny, like, I'll DJ, I'll, and that's how, I, that's how I play, that's how I play Hypnotize in the club. I will play Herb Alpert's song, and no one even knows who Herb Alpert is, right? And then as soon as I get to the doom, doom, I'll just, I'll just be like, oh, oh, I'll scratch that in with it. And people are like, is this a new song? But, but again, 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 I say, this is another fine production from J.E., bringing something from the old to the new. And at that time, you know, the Gap Band, Charlie Wilson's a phenomenal writer, singer, all that good stuff, you know what I mean? And this just shows you once again how creative Jermaine Dupree is. Nobody was, nobody in the nineties was probably thinking about them. And again, you know the way they harmonize on the song. It just whoever you know back in the day, you know big fans of, of the Gap Band. You know he's bringing that that life back to that song. And at that time, you know it was a hit, like you said. All right, we're gonna keep it moving. Up next is Funny How. <laughs>
Cassette, having my Nissan Maxima and just going through some shit with a female or with you know getting into with one, you know one of the homies or whatever and yeah I would keep this song on repeat it's probably one of my favorite Jagged Edge album tracks because there's so much truth in the song and what they're um talking about and you know even though it's a ballad you can still relate this to the homies to the family you know whatever you're going through so spectacular song by the group one of my favorite J album tracks over to you walk yeah man you know Every every good love song needs a sad song. I mean, um, this is one of those tracks, you know, that you you, you got to put that, you know. I mean, yeah, you start off with slow motion, addicted to your love, but here's the thing, though. When things go wrong in life, that's why one of my favorite artists is Sinatra. And Sinatra has a song about everything. He has a song about love, a song about drinking, a song about breaking up, and this is one of those songs, you know, that I feel was very appropriate for this album. I mean, you, you, can, give out, you can have all the love songs you want, but you got to have that song that reaches out to that emotion, you know what I'm saying? And and create that, that like you say, you know, you was going through something, this is something that got you through it, you know what I mean? Because they always say that men, especially black men, we're very emotionless. We don't know how to express it, you know? So for a song like this to come out, you know, I think it's very therapeutic for the mind, very therapeutic for the soul. And that's why you're able, again, as I said earlier, you know, this time, this music, it takes you back to the moment from where you was, you know, and shows you, you know, how you got through it. and. Once again, phenomenal song by J.E. Up next is actually the album's first lead single, The Way You Talk. It's something about the way you talk to me. <laughs> Come on. It's scary. I'm a subsidiary, so so deaf next to JD. This folks and baby, keep them crazy. My mentality happen to be living lavish with formalities of having a fat shit. My status is impeccable. We wrecking your crew. The casualty is you. Jagged edge coming through. Remember who? Hit it. Did it something like a thousand times. Can't stop, can't quit. Gotta, gotta get my. I'll catch you off guard. Keep your dick hard. Follow the yellow bitch to the road to riches. And if the smoke thick, insist to be the VR a detrimental to your brain. Choking off Mary Jane. A.T. Lennon insane came and kept it wetter than Niagara. The main dame who maintained the state flat. Talking me, touching you and your body. We even talking about you and your other guy. I like you when you tell me what you do if I was with you. I like it cause you had nothing to hide. The way that you talk to me. Wanna have a wife and kids 
That was The Way You Talk, featuring a cameo rap by ATL Zone DeBrat and the album's first single. Now, you know, you folks might be a little bit shocked, but The Way You Talk had to grow on me. I really didn't care for the song when it initially dropped. Um, it just, something about it just didn't register me, but I mean, eventually, you know, it grew on me. I like it now. Um, you know, it's still a nice little club song, a nice little upset point joint, but it just didn't hit for me the first time. But I mean, I, I like it now, though, so yeah. Over to you, Walk. Um, yeah, I I can say the same thing for the song. Um, you gotta also understand during this time frame, this is when you have, you know, little Kim out as well, Puffy's pushing her, you know what I mean? And again, I honestly feel this is my heart and soul, just like I, I saw the other day between Rick James and Prince. I honestly feel that Jermaine Dupree and Puffy was in a competition with each other on the sidelines. And and a lot a lot of reflect that. Um, I'm still mad that JD never did a collab album with the Brat because they sound phenomenal on every song that they do. If you think about the Funkified, I mean, come on, man, that album was classic. No one was putting out music like that with a female rapper. It was, it was, it was, it was crazy. Um, just the same thing how how they they collab together on 1472. You know, you know, Life of 1472, another album that JD put out. So, you know, the way how JD was able to put the brat into this album as well as with the group, you know, again, that just that just shows once again how creative that this guy was. And I honestly don't think that the song, um, like it was too much rap for an album, in, in my opinion. However, I do think the song was a slow burner because at the time frame, he was making a different kind of sounds like he was doing the New York sound but it's in the South at the same time. And I just think during this time, I just think that Bad Boy was was ultimately, you know, they they were the powerhouse at the time. You know what I'm saying? But again, as I said earlier, beginning of this conversation, you know, consistency, you know, it's a form of discipline. And I think that's what, you know, Jermaine Dupree ultimately did with this album. All right, we're gonna keep moving. Up next, the rest of our lives. Yeah. 
another favorite, The Rest of Our Lives. A beautiful ballad. Um, kind of caveat on what Walk was saying earlier. You know, this would set the stage for what they were going to do with the next album because this could easily be a precursor to Let's Get Married. I mean, they're talking about getting married. You know, she's the one. You want to be with her. Once again, you have a chance to showcase the vocals of all four members. Brandon and Brian on lead, Colin Wingo singing the bridge in the backgrounds. Great ballad, lovely song. Um, over to you, Walk. Yeah, man. Um, I echo the same comments, you know what I mean? Um, the good thing, one thing I liked about JD, and I think maybe he learned it from uh, from from uh, from the boys to men, is that harmony, right? Harmony is everything. And if one thing, even when you watch the verses, I mean, you know, 112, they did their thing. Shout out to 112, another ATL group. Very, very legendary in the city. Excuse me. Nevertheless, um, with with J with J E, they they are even now to this day they are very very phenomenal when it comes to harmonizing. They they can harmonize so well, and I think that's the one thing that really helps them out, especially with all their biggest hits. You know, this right here is exactly like you said. This was the setup for J E Heartbreak because their harmonizing is is bar is by far top top of my list. I, I I absolutely am like excited when I hear them when they, when they harmonize because they just it's, it's just it, it doesn't sound forced it just sounds like it was meant to be you know what I mean and this is another good track that they did that on back to you all right up next I'll be right there yes 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 yeah Bust around in the place to be So, so death flip mode JD jagged ass checking We keep it hot to death, you can't deny Ha, 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 ha To my people feeling good, you should react to mine Ha, 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 Before I hit you all with bust a million and one Raise your whole adrenaline, baby, have fun I be rolling with winners, whipping bends and bimmers Make your shivers when I deliver like Doc Rivers I keeps the shit that'll get you out your dress Past the testers, overcoming the minor stresses. I got your message, and only a matter of seconds. I'll be there for you, whipping the five essence. Feel my jacket edges bounce on fly records while I bounce on smoking beats like Benson and Hedges. I'll be about all for one, baby, one for all. Need a nigga call anytime, I'll be there for y'all. Sometimes you need someone to be with, but your pride side just won't let you. there with the guest rap from Busta Bust, Mr. Busta Rhymes. Now, I haven't heard this one right here. Uh, shit. <laughs> I bought the album and, and later bought the CD. Um, I think what it was this song, I think Busta's rap kind of overshadowed the song because, you know, this was when Busta was in his prime. He ripped it with the um, his, you know, Hot 16 at the beginning of the song. 
and then Jagged just comes off as not lazy, but it's a filler track. And um, maybe if they'd had the buffs to do the entire song and just had Jagged Edge on the hook, and maybe put this on a you know on a soundtrack, I would have had more of a positive thing. So definitely a filler track, um, overshadowed by you know Buster's Hot 16. So not one of my favorites. Over to you, Walk. Uh, it's the same thing for me. Um, I, uh, my thing is that I honestly think you know you gotta understand though when disaster strikes one of possibly one of Buster's biggest albums. It came out in 1997 as well, right? And uh, during this time, you know, that's when you have Put Your Hands Up When My Eyes Can See, Dangerous, Turn It Up, you know what I mean? So during this time frame right now, this is probably, I don't know if it was Jay's way trying to push Buster even more, but yes, I definitely feel like it was more so like a Buster Rhymes feature, featuring J.E. Now also, I also think what they were trying to do was trying not to make Jagged Air, Jagged Era's, sorry, Jagged Edge's album sound like it was just straight, just slow songs, love songs. So they probably yeah. tried to, they tried to twist it up just a little bit. And there's a lot, a lot of times we, we got to control that. You know what I'm saying? Because at the end of the day, you know, if, if you put too much, like you said, if you put too much of that hip hop in there, now it changes the mood of the album. And I honestly feel just like you said, I would say this is more so like a filler. That's uh, probably why you probably don't remember it too much. It might have been a song that you skipped. I know I probably skipped it a few times. It's just, and Busta Rhymes has a very different kind of energy. I don't want to hear Busta Rhymes. And here's the thing, Busta Rhymes sounded better later on when he did the song with Janet Jackson and yeah. the, the song with, with Mariah Carey, like this is when Busta Rhymes was like, oh, 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 like all of that, I mean, like all up in your face and he had to tone it down. And yeah, when you have that type of individual with that type of energy, you try to put them in R&B, it's, yeah, like you say, it's going to be overpowering. So yeah, this is definitely one of those, uh, what do we call a filler. Up next, Ready and Willing. Ready and willing, another um dope 
album track was a ballad. And, you know, to piggyback off my man Walk was saying earlier, the album tracks on this are, you know, as I always say, better than a lot of other people's all, you know, entire catalogs came out after Jagged. And, you know, earlier, you know, we were talking about the selection of the playlists and everything. And we're ready and willing to place that. It's kind of like it's thrown off with, um, it comes after kind of mediocre songs. So if they kind of threw this one up, maybe at six, instead of the way you talk, my final grade might be a bit higher because, I mean, yeah, it's almost like, you know, this is Days of the Tape. So we should have had, like, the first side be all the um, the ballads and then the second side be the up-tempo stuff, kind of how Jodeci's first album is. You guys all know Jodeci's first album, out after you get to the slow songs, the up-tempo tracks ain't aged too well. And it's the same thing with uh, Jagabee. I mean, lovely album track, no complaints. Over to you, Walk. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, again, when it comes to fillers, you know, um, that can really mess up a playlist for me. Uh, if you go through the album, like we said, we start with slow motion, you to your love, I gotta be, Wednesday lover, it's all good. And, you know, honestly, this album really didn't need another rap song on there, honestly. Um, and then, you know, them dropping in ready and willing after that, kind of throws the album off you know what i'm saying so you know but again this is 90s right in the 90s it was very 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 just like you know, patty labelle right she sings beautifully but her first song was feel like another one it had big daddy kane on it right what is yeah. big daddy kane doing <laughs> in a song with patty labelle because in the 90s that was just a cool thing it was yeah. just a cool thing have a good r&b song and throw a random rapper on there you know what I'm saying? <laughs> throw, just throw, throw, throw a random, not saying, yo, first of all, don't nobody, nobody get mad at me. Big Daddy Kane is not a random rapper. So don't don't get that yeah. confused. I'm saying, throwing a random rap verse into an R&B song was a trend. Yeah, you had right? to appeal to the, um, you, you want to appeal to that male demographic that, you know, females are going after. Or, you know, you want to have the song, the Patty the Bell and Kane song, you want to appeal to us, the kids, and, you know, the parents. Right, right. And that's, and that's, and again, you know, but again, if you don't do it right, it clashes. So um, ready and willing, yes. I think it should have been higher up on the playlist than down there. But, you know, other than that, yes, it's still a good song, good production, good writers, good harmonizing, as I stated before. So yeah, still a good track. All right, folks, we reached the last song. Ain't no stopping. Uh, uh, come on. <laughs> Feeling. 
That was Ain't No Stopping. Another song I haven't heard since I bought the original audio cassette. Now, this is probably one of the worst songs on the album. And it's because, you know, they covered the Yarbrough and People's, you know, Can't Stop the Music. And it comes off as lazy and just, again, as Walking I've been saying the entire time, a filler track. I mean, I think the sample was, eh, production was kind of mediocre. Even, like, the laziness comes off in the singing. And this is probably a song I would have cut and had a strong um, nine songs and not ten, but yeah, definitely one of the worst on the album and kind of a weak way to end it. Over to you, Walk. Um, so I don't know if y'all can hear this over there in, in uh, over there in, in the world of music, but one of the things you guys got also is this. Like I said this earlier, I had to do my research as well. No Way Out was Puffy's debut album, right? And on Puffy's album, he had a song called Don't Stop What You're Doing. Yep. Isn't it ironic that it's the same song that he sampled? Yeah. So if anybody tries to tell you, and again, again, I talk about music because I know what I'm talking about, you know, at the end of the day, Puffy and JD have always been in some type of competition with one another. This is a this is a fine, fine example of it. Because Puff Daddy did the song on No Way Out. 1997, it had Lil' Kim on there, and it had Faith Evans as well. And again, this is what I'm trying to tell people is that JD didn't have all the resources that Puffy had, but he made do with what he had. This is what I love about my people in Atlanta. You know, we make things happen with things with less than what others might have. Puffy had better production. He had better writers, X, Y, Z, right? But Jermaine Dupri did it all in house and he didn't have money like puff daddy and puff daddy again this is how you know that puffy saw jd as competition because he put that on the way out and like you said already this is definitely one of those fillers again in the 90s these are the type of things that we saw a lot of and i probably that's probably why when they put out jd heartbreak that it was way more than 10 songs and i think the way how jd heartbreak ended was a lot better than how jagged era did but this is definitely one of those examples of using fillers just to get just to close the album out. This is how you this is how you lose that grip. This is how you lose that edge, no pun intended, to your album. Just put songs like that together. Um, but again, still a good album in my opinion. But like you said, yeah, I think there's I think you could have ended this song with this album, excuse me, with uh, a better song than this. All right, folks, well, that was a uh, flashback album read with my man, my homie, you know, my brother in Christ, brother from another, my man, DJ Walk. So give me your top three, sir, and a final grade. Oh, man, you know, man, I mean, that's messed up that you put me on the block like man. Like, it's, you know, they from Atlanta, I'm from Atlanta, you know, they might hear this, but they won't come see about me or something like that. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, for me, it's it's, it's going to be number one, it's going to be, I got to be, it is what it is all-time biggest biggest hit that they had this time frame still can play and still get a lot of attention nowadays as well uh second song for me it's gotta be what was that joint the way that you talk i mean 
in Georgia, like I said, you know, it was us versus them, right? And we were trying to get our heard. And this is one of those that got us a little bit more exposure on that. And my other song is definitely going to be Wednesday Lover. I mean, what, what can I say? The composition, the harmonizing. I mean, it is what it is. Honorable mention, I got to do that. That's what I do best. Let me slow motion because slow motion is how we open up the album. And, you know, J.E., everybody knows the So So Death production. So, yeah, I would say the grade for this album, the scale of one to five, uh, I still give it a 4.5. Only, only reason why is because I'm not a fan of fillers. Fillers take away from the album. It takes away from the artist, and it takes away from the moment. And, uh, yeah, that's my that's my take on it. And my top three are, it's uh, tracks three through five. So, Gotta Be, Wednesday Lover, and Funny How. Those are the ones that I kept on repeat the most. They probably still have the most plays in my iTunes. Um, definitely honorable mentions to... The rest of our lives, slow motion, and um, ready and willing. And final letter grade is a it's a solid B plus because this this is a very strong debut album. And the thing why it's got such a high grade is because even though they have a couple of mediocre up tempo songs, that's all right because they found their footing on the next one with the up tempo stuff. But this is still a hell of a debut for me. Like I said, I mean, even though I saw Jagged Edge as a modern day whisper just because of the family connection. Jagged Edge's first album to me is very comparable to what Jodeci does. Again, you can just play the ballads from this album and it kills a lot of shit out today. Just like Forever My Lady, you only rock with the first five tracks. That's all you need. You don't really, you know, check for the second half. Well, you folks know that I'm uh, big on uh, supporting creatives, especially black creatives. So my man, DJ Walk, let them folks know where they can get ready to hear some of your A1 mixes to prepare themselves for the mix you're going to drop when Jeezy and T.I. go at it at the next verses. Shout out your sound, shout out your sound cloud, please, sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Appreciate y'all for tuning in. You know what I'm saying? Once again, my brother, shout out to you for your consistency. Again, consistency breeds discipline, and you're definitely on the road for that. Um, it doesn't matter if one person hear you, two people, three people, four people hear you. What matters is that somebody heard you, right? So your voice, your voice is sonic, right? So you're, you're, you're reaching an audience, so all I can tell you, my man, just keep doing what you're doing, and whatever goal that you have in mind, it's it's, it's gonna reap itself. You know, it's all about how you're gonna be, how persistent you're gonna be as far as executing that goal. So, with that said, um, shout out everybody. Um, if you want to hear some more music from me and all that good stuff, go to SoundCloud.com backslash J Likely. That's uh, J. L-I-K-E-L-Y. Uh, a lot of people always ask, what does that come from? Well, when I was uh, when I was in high school, the things I used to hate that they would put in the yearbook, it would say something along the lines of most likely to succeed. And I thought that that was a very, excuse my language, a very shitty representation of the system, a, rep- a representation that nobody's trying to compete for. We should all want to be, you know, successful. We all should want to succeed. And I took that on as a challenge and I left my city and I did very, uh, very important things, you know, for the last 17 years of my life coming up on 18. And one thing that I can say is that I didn't let society tell me what I was going to be. Instead, I told, I, I showed society what I was, doing, you know what I mean? Like they'll say, your product, your environment. You don't have to be a product, your environment unless you want your environment to be a product of you. So 
at the end of the day, I decided to take on Jay because my first name is Josh and likely because I'm most likely to succeed. And I have succeeded through all those transgressions and all those good things. So if you like what you're hearing, you think, you know, you want to keep out some more of these mixes like my man, uh, Brother Dunn's already said, you know, again, go to soundcloud.com and that's Jay Likely. And uh, I really appreciate you, my brother, for allowing me to get on your platform and expel my thoughts and my my different kind of insights on things that you've brought about tonight. And right now I'm ready to go ahead. I know it's COVID-19, but I'm ready to jump on a plane and go home because right now I feel like all this talk about Atlanta, I want to be in Atlanta for at least 24 hours or something, man. Like, like I, I need to touch the city right now. Right now I'm so excited about my city and I want to thank you again for allowing me to use your platform to talk about this wonderful city that we call Atlanta. No doubt. All right, folks. Um, Coming up soon to Flat Figure Album Reviews, I'm going to be joined by up-and-coming clothing designer. We're going to discuss the Waiting to Excel soundtrack. That should be the next flashback throwback album review. And you guys know I like to always leave you with a positive thought and a quote. And we're going to keep it with Atlanta. I'm one of those guys a lot of people watch, imitate, and then make it seem like they were the ones who did it first. Jermaine Dupree. Until the next time, done, out. What up, y'all? This is Mike from the infamous group 112 ATL Spinus, and thanks for listening to Reviews and Done with my man, Derek Dunn. If you like this show and want to know more, check out his website, reviewsanddone.net.